hello and welcome back to Poetry Literally. Once again, I am your host, Bethany Bagwell, and today we're going to be discussing Sylvia Plath's Ariel, which is another one of her poems, which I personally really like. Alrighty, so once again, I'm going to start with just reading the poem stanza by stanza and just breaking it down into literal terms for you guys. So, first stanza. Stasis and darkness, then the substanceless blue, poor and tore of distances. So this is saying is basically, well, this poem is about her riding her horse. So the um, stasis and darkness is her horse in the barn, and then the substanceless blue is her breaking out of that on her horse, and just the poor and tore of distances across the countryside of her riding her horse, Ariel. Stanza number two. God's lioness, how one we grow, pit of heels and knees, the furrow. So God's lioness is her talking about, again, her horse. I mean, this whole poem is about her riding her horse. How one we grow, um, she and her horse are just becoming one as they ride across countryside, you know, pit of heels and knees, as you may or may not know. When you ride a horse, you have these little, like, motions you can do with your foot, or you can, like, squeeze your legs together or release them to make the horse go faster, encourage the horse, steer the horse, things like that. Stanza number three. Splits and passes, sister to the brown arc of the neck I cannot catch. So this is talking about how Ariel has just taken off at an uncontrollable gallop. Like, she is just going for it across the countryside. Like, she was trapped in the barn. It was dark, it was probably cramped, considering she's a horse, and now that she's out, she is just going for it. She's not stopping for anybody. Stanza number four. Nigger eye, berries cast dark, hooks. That's a shorter one, but it's basically just saying that, you know, she's seeing all these blackberries in the bushes, and and they feel like eyes that are watching her, you know, judging her, because... You know, it's not normal for a girl to be riding her horse in Sylvia Plath's time, and yet she is. You know, she just, (laughs) she doesn't care at this point. She's going to ride her horse because she loves her horse, and she just doesn't care. Stanza number five, black, sweet, blood mouthfuls, shadows, something else. Again, this is talking about how, like, the bushes, like, in the shadows in those bushes look like eyes watching and judging her. This is just a reiteration of that. Basically a continuation of stanza four. Because Plathus is in jam men and this is kind of a choppy... I want to say a choppy flowing of the poem. It's just how she writes and how it's supposed to read. Okay, stanza six and seven I'm going to actually read together. Just because it'll help it flow better and it'll be a lot easier to break it down for you guys. So, hauls me through the air, thighs, hair, flakes from my heels, white Godiva hand peel... Dead hands, did stringencies. So, again, thighs, hair, hauls me through the air. Again, talking about her horse and riding across the countryside. What I really want to focus on right now is white Godiva. Godiva was actually someone way back in the day who actually rode through the city naked on horseback to protest. She was a woman, and while Sylvia Plath, I'm sure, is a naked riding her horse, she compares herself to Godiva because she's protesting the same thing. She's protesting the dead hands, the dead stringencies, the stereotypes that should die in society and that she doesn't agree with. Stanza 8. And now I, foam to wheat, a glitter of seas, the child's cry. 
in this stanza, she's saying that she's now foamed wheat. So we can see that she's kind of riding through the wheat fields across the countryside, and she's using a metaphor of herself as foam or glitter seas. You know, she's she's the crashing waves. She's the uncontrollable surge that just can't be stopped by any means. She's just herself. Okay, now stanza nine. I'm actually going to read the last line of stanza eight to get a better flow and a better understanding of this stanza. The child's cry melts in the wall, and I, I am the arrow. So the child's cry here melting in the wall is sort of like the world melting away from her as she's riding her horse. And in my opinion, the whole I am the arrow thing, I believe this is her way of her saying she is spearheading the way for women down the line. She's... I guess in her mind, she's the one initially breaking the stereotype for women to follow. It could also be that she knows her path. She's flying straight. She knows what she wants to do, and she's not going to let anyone stop her. And finally, stanza 10 and the singular line of stanza 11. The dew that flies, suicidal at one with the drive, into the red eye, the cauldron of morning. So the main thing I see here is the suicidal part. Unfortunately, Sylvia Plath, as I stated in the last episode, did kill herself. So that could be a reference to this, where her riding her horse is maybe a blip of happiness in her in her tragic life, you know? At least that's the way she sees it. And then into the eye, into the red eye, sorry, the cauldron of morning. That's just her riding into dawn. I'm thinking... Maybe the dawn of a new day, dawn of a new age. You know, one that will come after she's gone. Okay, now that we've broken down the poem a bit, let's jump into the acts of Ariel. In the case of audience and purpose, Sylvia Plath is speaking to a general audience. She's speaking to one who can relate with a lack of individuality, control, and freedom. This would be everyone in the world, because whether it happened while you were an adolescent, or whether it's still going on, Everyone has felt trapped and like breaking out of the barn. Everyone has felt trapped in that stasis of darkness and then the break into the substanceless blue. One of the purposes of Plath's poem is to hopefully show the last bit of happiness she felt just a few months before she committed suicide. The entire poem is a metaphor that illustrates her experience with gaining a feeling of temporary control over her life. Freedom and happiness. She felt, for a moment, that she was okay. In a way, perhaps she wrote this poem to remember that. Her purpose was to express her emotions and to think through her thoughts, trying to express the little joy she felt while on the high of her manic depression. In the case of context and theme, after World War II, it was standard culture for a woman to marry and live up to the expectation that women clean the house and care for the children. Sylvia did not approve of this culture and took of her personal struggle with getting away from this expectation through her poems, hence the dead hands and the dead stringencies, the nigger eye, the blackberries she felt were watching and judging her. This poem was written on her 30th birthday, which could play into her purpose for writing as a way of expression, expressing herself in a positive way, even with negative connotations. Plath was a victim of manic depression. And sadly, as I stated, just a few months later, Sylvia Plath committed suicide. You could say that that was her way of breaking free, breaking out. This was her final word to the world, or maybe even a last desperate attempt to convince herself that life was a beautiful thing and worth living. The themes of the poem are escape, breaking the mold, and joy. She's freeing herself from the barn, from the stereotypes of society that she does not approve of, 
She's showing the joy she feels when she rides her horse out of that barn. Her and her horse being a symbol of breaking the mold and stereotypes of women not really riding horses, which again is just a metaphor. This whole poem is one huge metaphor. In the case of tone and mood, her tone in the beginning when she writes stasis and darkness is almost despairing and even depressing while speaking about the barn, the cage she was in, even in just that one line. It's such a short line, but even the small choice of words has an impact. Stasis, being trapped, not able to move. It shifts as soon as she writes, then the substanceless blue, poor and tore of distances, and becomes hopeful about her escape, joyful during the ride. It also switches just for a brief moment when she says, nigger eye, berries cast dark hooks, black sweet blood mouthfuls, shadows. It's, it's a judging tone that's coming from the people she thinks is watching her, but then immediately switched back to the hopeful and joy, hauls me through the air, thighs, hair, flakes from my heels. The mood of the poem is one of lightheartedness, again, hopeful and encouraging, as she speaks about being an arrowhead, knowing her path. She's spearheading the way for women to come, encouraging them with her final words. She is riding free on her horse with nothing but the wind in her hair, striving to overcome the sadness, the depression she is feeling. For a fleeting moment, her tone and mood show that maybe, just maybe, she's conquered it all. Last but not least, in the case of style and structure, Plath uses tersets and pararime as a structure in her poem. Using tersets in her poem adds flow to it. I believe this flow is used to represent the flow of her and her horse across the countryside, as well as the flow of her life. They are riding as one over the hills, flowing together. However, she also uses pararime to add the underlying feeling of discomfort and unease. This again shows her depression, despite the joyful ride on Ariel, that is always a part of her. It's always underneath. Plath uses a style of enjambment to cause a certain mood and disrupts the flow of the poem. For an example, when she's speaking in stanzas two and three, God's lioness, how one we grow, pivot of heels and knees, the furrow. As I said before, that's stanza two, but the furrow is supposed to go on to stanza three. That's how it flows. The furrow splits and passes sister to the brown arc of the neck I cannot catch. This enjambment causes you to take a double step. It, it jams up the reader, causes them to think a little more about what she's really saying. Again, while this poem is about joy, the manic state in which Plath is in while riding her horse, her struggles are still there, and she can't outrun them. Plath also uses the style of free verse, which is her typical style in all of her poems, to deepen the feeling in each stanza, line, as well as in each word. So there you have it. The Axe and Breakdown of Celia Plath's Ariel. Hope you all will join me next time on Poetry Literally. Thank you.